This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. few weeks later but if you like that's the background as I've said my my parents were Christians I thought I was a Christian but Andy Smale didn't think I was and I must be the the first Christian ever to be nagged into the uh, into the Christian church because when I came back from um, polytechnic he said I've seen how much you drink and I have to say that, you know, it was extraordinary how much I could drink in those days. And you need the Lord. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, no, no. There's a service at Spurgeon Church. You need the Lord. No, 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 no. And he went on and on and on and on. And he wore me down. About three weeks later, he was still moaning at me to come to the uh, service and I came to that service to shut him up no other reason, it wasn't spiritual it was, we were good friends played table tennis and I, uh, I did as I sat down in that, that church service I saw somebody um, that I knew quite well and thought to myself what arrogance, I thought Crumbs, if the Lord can change him he needs the Lord at the end of the appeal, two people got up, Chris behind me and me. And it was probably my first lesson in the Christian church. Don't judge others by the outside, because the Lord sees us from the inside. I gave my heart to the Lord, and my life completely, completely changed from that, from that minute on. I, sorry, that's just telling me I'm a diabetic, so you know, I must have an injection in there. Um, I was incredibly good at table tennis. Um, at that age, I played in the lower leagues. And in sport, because of, as I've told you, you know, I wasn't a very nice person, I would win no matter what. I would find a way of winning not the sort of person you'd like to come against because probably, you know, if I, in football, if I couldn't have got you legally, you'd have suddenly found your legs floating sort of in a different direction. That was me at that age. Like I say, you know, not the nicest of friends unless you were on my team. When I came to know the Lord, it completely uh, changed. Why do I say it? One of the um, interesting things was, as I say, I was fairly good, and I ended up in, um, quite often, but I was in um, a final, and at that stage in one of the lower leagues. And I'd become a Christian. The other person that was um, also in that final was Ozzy Lepedvin. You may or may not know him. 
But I was a, a Christian, and shortly to become a leader here, he was um, a leader in Eldad Church. And when we played in that final, none of us would give in a point, but we played as we would as would be befitting a Christian. Didn't think about it other than that, but that was the change in me, and that was how Ozzy played. It was interesting, later in the week, the press reported on that match, one talking about how well we played, but it also, they also said, and these two um, undertook the final in a way that was exemplary because they were so sportsmanlike with each other. They encouraged each other, although every point was hard fought. At the end, the losing finalist, which was me, went to the winner and the, 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 um, the congratulations were obviously heartfelt. Now, isn't that interesting? Because that's the change that God had made in me. Interesting that we should both end up as leaders in in Enum churches. But, again, why do I say that? I think the learning bit of that is, I didn't even know the press reporter was there. But, if you like, we're told to live our lives in such a way that when people see it, they will see something different. And what I'd say to each of us is remember you never know who's, who's watching, you don't know what's happening, and sometimes that's the biggest witness. One of the, the faults that I had was I used to drive too fast, and it leads to another part. I could drive incredibly fast, I don't boast it was. But one day, I went round a certain corner in, in the Vale. There was a chap walking on the pavement. I'd probably slowed down to 70 as I passed him. And a car came out in front of me. Now, you can imagine, I saw this guy in front of me at that speed. You have a you know, you know, fraction of a second. I saw him. The Lord helped me missed him and went straight through the granite wall. Why do I say that? Do you know what my fine was for that? The Lord did tell me not to do it and from that day I didn't. He said, I've protected you. Both of us got out totally unscathed and the guy, the, the, the fine I had was eight pounds for driving without due care and attention. A guy was walking on that pavement. He came up to me afterwards shaking, and I'd have been shaking if I'd seen somebody like that. And one thing I haven't changed, those of you who've seen my car, you know, it is basically under the brown, it's red. And I've always kept my cars equally as dirty. He said to me, looking at his sleeve, he said, that is the the, uh, mud from off your car as you rubbed me doing whatever speed you were when I was doing over 70. It taught me a lesson. And like I say, you know, 
Don't ever learn that lesson. Why do I say that? Sometimes when one does wrong, even if you're a Christian, there are consequences. I was very lucky to get away with that. Two weeks later, I walked, I think I walked into home, and I had this excruciating pain in my back. I was in bed for three or four days. I was stretched to the um, to the hospital, and the, the consultant burst out laughing. I can still remember, and he said, "I have never seen a spine so damaged." And I, he said, "Well, you know, what have you got?" And I said, "Well, about a fortnight ago, I went. I had a major motor accident, but I was fine." And he said, "No, you weren't fine." but your spine has only now started recovering. And he showed me a picture of my spine, and the spine, you know, the the disc should look like that. And mine looked like a triangle. And he said, it's because, you know, of that, that you are in such intense pain. It may get better, but you may be like this for the rest of your life. And... I, to say, you know, I spent quite a lot of time in intense pain, you know, I'm pretty good with pain, but, you know, for years I was known as the manager with the chair, because I had an orthopaedic chair, and whenever I sort of got promoted, the chair would have to come, and in, I might, you know, I would sort of chair, be in various meetings, and I would have to walk around, I'd be in that much pain. I prayed about it many times, and um, just like to tell you, and it will mean something in a minute. I was five ten and a half when I was measured after the accident. Now, I went up many times. I'd come to the front of the church many times, and I hadn't been healed. But I never believed that the, the Lord couldn't heal me completely. About fifteen years later. Um, John Murray was leading the house group I was in and he said, anybody here want to be healed? And I put my hand up. Well, we'll pray for you and we'll believe, you know, this time that you'll be healed. Did I believe? Yeah, I truly believed. Did I expect? No, honestly, I'd gone through 15 years. I didn't expect. I woke up the next morning For the first time for 15 years, couldn't feel my back at all. It it was about sort of half an hour before I suddenly realised I didn't have this intense pain in my back. And, you know, from then to to this, I've I've had no pain. That in itself is spectacular, but, um, you know, some of you will know I held various sort of senior sort of positions. One of the reasons I tell you is because of that we would have once every two or three years you'd have sort of a full medical because they couldn't afford you to sort of drop off the planet and I went for a medical and it started off with the normal questions Andrew how tall are you I'm five ten and a half yes quietness you're not you're five eleven and Five eleven and a quarter. Now, although I'm five ten and a half, I have been for years. 
Now, you're 5'11 and a quarter. Look, my, my measured scales don't lie. There's you, you know, bare, bare feet. You're 5'11. Didn't mean anything to me. Oh, okay. And if you like, I didn't give that any more thought than strange. I, you know, I'm 5'10 and a half. About a fortnight later, um, just as part of the same process, nothing different, they uh, made me have uh, the regular x-ray. And I'm pretty good with those kind of things, but when they suddenly got in a huddle at the back and started discussing something that should have, you know, I'd been through those things before, which should have lasted five minutes, a quarter of an hour or 20 minutes of three of them in the office discussing, looking at x-rays, and one came out to me and said, sorry, Mr. Bashar, we're just trying to find something. My comment was, what have you found that you're worried about? Nothing like that at all. Off they went back, and about another ten minutes later, they came out with these two x-rays. And the lady said to me, and I didn't get it then, I didn't get it till after, but she said, what we couldn't believe is, here's your old x-ray with a back and a spine that looks like that. And here's your second x-ray with a, part, a spine that is perfectly straight and all the distance between the, the um, vertebrae, including my T3, absolutely perfect. It's not till... maybe months later, the penny suddenly dropped. Wow, that's what the Lord did. He healed and he made my back new. They couldn't understand, but they met, so they told me, they measured each of the other bits of my spine to prove it was me and they hadn't mixed up the x-rays. Like I say, I'd I'd have shared it with them um, if I'd have had the opportunity. But our God does heal. He does miraculous things. He did it in me. And the proof was in that, that extra. What I'd say to you, I mean, I could, st- I could s- spend ages up here, but what I'd like to say to you is, those are some examples of things in my life that you may identify with. I hope you do. I hope it encourages you. But a testimony like this is absolutely no use unless it's current. If I can only say 20 years ago the Lord did that in me, I've missed the point. If I look a year back and say, you know, that's what the Lord did in me, you know, no, that's still not the point. I want to tell you that testimony is about the fact that every time I stand here, and speak, I'm testifying for the fact that the Lord changed me and I'm still changed. Every time I have a word from the Lord and I share it with you, it's to his glory that he's enabled me to do this and I do. It's current. And the Lord is doing things in each of us every day. I'm hoping that the Lord will be as new and I'll be learning from the the Lord on the last day I live because I may be a leader but I am here to learn from the Lord 
to the stage where I overflow because out of the overflow, that's what I want to share with each of you. If anybody's got any questions, I'd be happy to answer. Anybody who's got sort of two or three hours, maybe one thing I'll, 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 I'll tell you, and our house group have heard this one before. It's funny, I was talking about the, the youth group, and I, once, I, wasn't, I didn't have the poms, which is the poor old me, but I did actually one day think to myself, I wonder if all the years Carol and I led the youth club, how many if any, and I certainly know one, but how many's lives were changed because of what we did? And like I say, it wasn't the poor old me. I wasn't there thinking, you know, what's, you know, having the miseries. It was just one of those things you shoot up to the Lord and you forget. Six months later, an envelope dropped in at home in which one of the young people that was in our youth club who lived in New Zealand, said, six months ago, I was thinking about you and what you and Carol had shared with me all those years ago. I'm going to write a book. And I'd like to, with your permission, just say that it was in you sharing with us then, with me then, that changed my life. And you think, I thought that six months ago. And the Lord touched somebody's heart, the other side of the world, and they got round to writing, and I heard it six months later. It says, cast your bread upon the waters, and in many days hence, it will come back to you. We serve an amazing God. Amen. Okay, thank you. That was um, lots of content there for me to question you on. Yeah, get you back now. <laughs> Not really. Um, fairly near the start, you said about obviously still uh, learning, um, which I think we all are. And yet the world sees it rather differently sometimes, doesn't it? They expect everybody to be an expert from day one, and if you make a mistake, you normally chastise for it, um, it seems to me anyway. Um, so I just wondered if you had a view on that. Interesting. I dropped this out of my testimony, maybe I shouldn't. It's funny, one thing about being a Christian, and those of you, again, who know me will know I was a manager for many, many years. When I became a very senior manager, other senior managers would often, and it seems strange to say often, but often would say to me, why do you share with people and tell them all the things that you've learnt? Because one of these days, they'll just get up a climb above you and hold it against you. And I remember saying time and time again, I don't look at it like that. You know, while I'm going, well, you know, if I'm high and they're coming up, hopefully if I share with them when I'm, when I'm on my way down, they'll, they'll, they'll remember. And it's funny, over a period of years, you know, there were people that I had working on my team. And people phoned me up and said, I don't, you know, don't employ them, they're useless. Now, it's funny, I always looked on people out of mine. And I remember, you know, an instant of that where somebody says, they're useless. I welcomed them onto my team and they became one of the best managers I've ever worked 
with. And I think that we change that. So the world may have one view, but if we take the Lord's view, we change perspective. Because people years later would come to me as a manager and say, it's strange. I don't know why everybody always does their best for you. They never do for us. The difference is, I did my best for them and expected the best from them. And they always met my expectation. Those that expected the worst got the worst and got their just deserves. It's how we look at it. Thank you. Um, the other thing is more of a, more of a comment than a, a question for you, really. Um, you said at one point that um, live our lives seeing something differently. And uh, it just, just, I think that's quite a good thing for all of us to think about, actually, because we do have to live our lives looking at things differently. It's too easy to follow the kind of the mutuality of what everybody seems to do out there and see what's, what's good for them, whereas we're trying to look beyond that. So I think that was a, a good statement. Anyway, thank you very much for your, your testimony. Just, Gareth, can I pick on you? Andy, don't disappear yet. We always pray for the people that have uh, done their testimonies. Gareth, can I ask you to just come up and pray for Andy, please? Thank you. Lord, just thank you for Andy. Just thank you, Lord, looking back in all the years of being at Delancey. And I do remember that kitchen. <laughs> Uh, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that he has been a pillar of this church and an example to us all. Just thank you, Lord, for Andy. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Give him a round of applause. Okay. Um, okay, so hope you've enjoyed so far. We've got Simon coming next, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing Simon's story. Come on up, Simon. Give him a round of applause as he comes up. I'll sit down and take notes again and ask you some tricky questions at the end. Just at the beginning, there was, um, <clears throat> as we were worshipping, the word reborn came. And I thought, that's quite appropriate for my life this evening. The word reborn. And then amazing grace, and I thought, what's the Lord saying to me? Maybe I should just put this down there and kind of just go with those two words, really. But anyway... I was looking at Andy's little notes. I was thinking, hang on a minute, I've got three here. Andy's got this one. I'm thinking, hmm. Anyway, I can explain why I've got three notes. And I did text him today, uh, I think it was yesterday, and I said, I've timed myself, and it's about 14 minutes. This is another minute on top, so we're going to go 15 minutes max, okay? And... Um, there's 24 years in three pages. That's why I've got three pages. I couldn't get it any smaller. I kept going over and over. Emily's actually helped me to edit because I'm quite an un uneducated guy. I left school with no qualifications, so I needed a little bit of help. So here we go. I hope it really blesses you. Good evening, everyone. This is my testimony, which I'm delighted to share with you. And I've called it before, but then, and the after factor. Not the X factor, Gareth. Okay. Before I became, uh, before I become 
uh, I was converted to Christ at 19 years old. And this is how it happened. In March 1989, I was in John Frost Square, a place in Newport, South Wales. And I was sitting in a bar, my usual place. But that weekend, I had a soft drink, or a weekend of soft drinks. So I was sober, okay? When I decided to leave, I walked into the square, and I saw a band playing religious music. And it didn't sound anything different at that time. And the musician leading was a man called Steve. And he spoke about Jesus being his Lord and Saviour and how he came to save us from our sins. I wanted to walk away, but I just stayed. A large crowd gathered and stood, and I stood there all alone. For me, I was a young man who had hurt so many other people, and I was angry, and I knew that I needed help. People had tried to help me, but I was just burning so many bridges with them. I was drinking too much at 19, I think. That was normal at the time. And I didn't uh, show enough respect towards the opposite sex. I grew up without my biological father. and I had a difficult relationship with my stepfather. <clears throat> there was violence in my life and a deep feeling of resentment and being unloved. I told too many untruths and I was always fearful. Thoughts of suicide, helplessness and feeling lost. But I, found, I sensed a peace as I stood there and it kept me still. Two men, call, uh, two men came by me and I remember their names, Mike and Graham. They came to speak to me and we talked and I shared with them a little bit about my life, my upbringing and what I thought God was about. Then I wanted to pray for the first time. They prayed with me and as I bowed my head and closed my eyes, I prayed that I would repent of my sins. And I asked Jesus to forgive me because he died for me and to come into my life as my Lord and Saviour. I think it was probably the typical sinner's prayer, but I hadn't prayed that before. Then I opened my eyes and everything changed within me. I knew I was different. Saved, forgiven, encouraged, healed, peaceful and uplifted from my past. For the first time, God was real in my life. It was my own road to Damascus experience. I know that now, later on as a Christian, after reading lots of other people's experiences of this kind of road experience. But I was in the middle of the street. So... It's kind of a Damascus experience. I gave control of my life to Jesus Christ and I couldn't stop thanking God. I joined the New Covenant Church in which was experiencing a revival of many new believers. The then apostles, Brennan Kerry Jones, were being used by God to grow his church by real signs, wonders and miracles. My new pastor, Eric, was delighted because he was convinced and I was convinced that I was a newborn again believer and they welcomed me like a son I tried explaining all of what had happened to my family to my family sorry in which was the beginning of an exciting but difficult time they simply thought I'd been recruited by a cult and I'd lost my mind 
But I witnessed to them about Jesus. I felt no shame about his name and about what had happened to me. Others questioned me about my newfound faith. They asked, is this really Simon, the person we know? I witnessed publicly and made, and many were astonished. I knew that God was accepting me as I am. But I faced a lot of opposition from my own family. They had different faith, a religion of their own. And now I was an outsider to even them. Nothing stopped me from sharing my new experience about Jesus Christ. God demonstrated to me through dreams that I was truly saved. And he also showed me that my family will also be saved. But they just just don't know it yet. There was a struggle within me to, to know more about my father who I didn't know. I grew up with a sense of not knowing what this really meant. Dreams came thick and fast to confirm to me that I was truly loved by a Heavenly Father. But this was the heartache in my life. God confirmed to me in the heart that I was now a son by adoption. Soon I started to read my first Bible, which was given to me by a brother called Mark. I'd always been interested in the life of Jesus as a little boy. And I always grew up, well, I grew up with religious-minded people. I remember as a teen how a cousin of the family who was a Christian and involved in missionary shared his faith with me. And I went to his church. The experience of the gospel choir there and a lively evangelical crowd was deeply profound to me. And as I look back at that experience, I now know that God was planting the seed into my heart. That was a change in my life that I needed and God made it possible. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit with two other witnesses. And again, I call them Mike and Janet, who I befriended and invited me into their home as a son. And we prayed together. And I began to speak in a strange language. But within me was a sense of peace and sanity about it all. A week later, I was fully submerged in a water baptism. And Pastor Eric and Steve, i.e. the musician I'd met in the street, gave their support to me as I declared my faith publicly. The pool we used was was where I learned to swim in my youth. Everything began to make sense to me now. I was a young Christian, but there was now a hope and a purpose in my young life. But then, a time of difficulty and backsliding happened. I was a young Christian. The enemy had spooked my life, brought up my past, brought up my failures, and I started to feel ashamed. I ran back into the old life and made many mistakes. But then I would soon learn from God. I moved away from the church, moved away from Wales, and started a new life in Devon. Got married, got on with my life. But during that time, 
God was still prompting me. And I felt he was asking me why I had run away. Because he still loved me. I didn't realize it. In fact, I didn't realize that I'd forsaken him. Forgetting all that he had done in my life. Sixteen years passed by. I lived like a prodigal. I remember even strangers calling out my name. Asking me. Where I'd been. Where was I going? Why was I running? I think I was just running scared or fearful of God. Anyway, I remember what it was like to be part of a broken family. I suppose now I was facing my own brokenness. Because all my relationships had broken down. And I was a father of two small children. History seemed to be repeating itself. And it was something I wasn't prepared for. But there was going to be a big change in my circumstances coming my way that I did never believe would happen to me. In 2004, the renewal of my faith and a return to God happened. I met a friend where I've worked, another name, Barry. We used to meet up for lunch breaks and we would share, he would share his faith of God to me. It was time, at that time, I sensed a conviction in my heart to get right with God. Barry guided me towards a practical way and to demonstrate that if I was serious, God would hear me. I wrote down every single thing on a note that I was sinful about. First of all, I confessed them to God and then I prayed them out to him. And he prompted me to go to a near tree. I nailed the note to the tree. The next day, I removed it from the tree. Barry met up with me a little later and gave me a new note. I read it like a love letter from God. So I would like to share with you the scripture that helped me to make some sense of that letter. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave you your sins, having cancelled out the charge of your legal indebtedness, which stood against you and condemned you. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them by the cross. Colossians 2, 13-15. I'm going a bit dry here. A new life was being offered to me by God. I was having dreams of Jesus himself. You know that's really him. 
because no one else can possibly be as radiant and full of life and colour like him. As he often appeared to me with a rainbow above his head and in gleaming white clothes, and his gaze was unforgettable. I have never heard his voice other than a thunderous river-like sound. This was very personal to me. I was a lot younger then than I am today. So the word spoken to me, that old men dream dreams and young men see visions, I think that's pretty faithful and true. After I went on to make new friends in church and there was, that was my life for the next four years. It was something that changed that I could never have seen or believed. A friend called Mark, a Christian, I was going to learn a lot from him because he allowed me to live in his home with all the mess-ups that I made. The relationship I had with my children was starting to improve and the healing and restoration and peace was now starting to happen. A chance meeting came that my biological father contacted me, who I had never known, through social media. The meeting went well, but sadly, he's gone away again. And I've not seen him again since. But you know what? I thank God for the opportunity that I was able to share my faith with him. Maybe that's what the meeting was about. And the after factor came in 2008 when I met Maria. She was a devout believer. And we knew in our hearts that God made a path for us to be joined together. We grew in a great friendship and it led us into marriage. As you all know, we held our marriage ceremony here. And Pastor Martin blessed us and all those who stood by us to celebrate our new lives together as a family. Having been happily married to my wife for nearly seven years, she's read this, by the way, so she's probably thinking. And also, with the awesome privilege of becoming a stepfather to Ems and Emily, Emily, Ems, Megan, <laughs> She'll forgive me. She's got a big heart. <laughs> well, I hope she's got a big heart. Just soon tell me later. Eh? I am witnessing the great, the amazing transformation that God is doing in their lives. I'm a very blessed father with, with the children God has given me. Callie and Luke. Last year on their summer holiday in Guernsey, my daughter Callie prayed for the first time to Jesus. For me as a father, that was a very special moment. As many of you know, I work locally at Guernsey Electricity. <coughs> I said that one really quick. And they have a nickname for me. I know some people have nicknames for me, but I think this one's okay. They call me the vicar. I wonder why. It's probably due to the fact that I work the hardest. Nah, nah. I've shared my faith with them. 
and they know I'm a committed Christian. And in a strange way, they take me serious. Or so, so I think. Elam Pentecostal Church has given me a pastoral care and the elders and the fellowship that God planned and offered me with love. Your support and friendship was something I've always needed. And now with God's help, I'm choosing to live a different life. I'm not perfect and I've made many mistakes. And I haven't made great successes in everything. But I'm grateful for God's grace and mercy because I've stumbled many times and struggled. But I always know that Jesus has promised never to leave or forsake me. Now I know he has saved, healed, not in my own effort, but because God is holy and perfect. My sins caused a gulf between us and he rescued me from them because I could never have done this myself. God did his work through me by his spirit in his son, Jesus Christ, because no self-help plan would have ever worked. Now I believe that every testimony is a tribute to God's power. It is only by God's power factor that we step out of death into life, that we are transferred out of darkness into the kingdom of light with God's Son, Jesus Christ. So now I would like to finish my testimony with this scripture, which is what I've seen up there. And they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the, and by the word of their testimony that they loved not their lives unto death. So I would like to thank Tim for giving me this opportunity to share my testimony. May God receive all the glory. Bless you all and thank you for listening. Thank you, Simon. That was brilliant. Um, okay. Um, whilst you were doing your testimony, the only thing I could think of um, was um, that uh, poem, Footsteps. It just kept coming to my mind because it struck me that uh, through your story, even when you weren't aware, God was carrying you as, as per the, the, the footsteps um, poem, etc. Um, question for you. We know that God heals. We know that God takes away our sins. Why do you think it is that every single time when people fall away, it's always because the devil uses those very things that you've been forgiven for to kind of tweak your conscience, isn't it? Yeah. When I think of that question, or that thought, Tim, it reminds me, I have not mentioned it here, but it reminds me of the young lamb. And it reminds me that young lambs are easily spooked by foxes and the enemy is like a fox. And if he can get his head high enough 
over the pen. He can try to scare the young lambs. And I think maybe when I look at it now, Tim, I was a young lamb who hearkened to Jesus when he called me. But I just got scared. And I think that's the truth about it. So the, so the answer to the question would be that when you're a young lamb, you need solid people around you. People that can really carry you. And if I was to be in a position to shepherd a young lamb, a young Christian, my answer to their life would be, whatever it is you're afraid of, whatever it is you're scared of, come to us. Because we want to protect you. Yeah, that's quite a nice analogy, actually, because the, um, very often we forget that the Lord is our shepherd. You know, and if you study, and we've done quite a bit of study, haven't we, in our house group about about uh, the the definitions of shepherds and what shepherds really were, and it's a lot more detailed than probably most people think about or go into. But um, a shepherd was a real protector in every single way, looking into the future and planning where he'd take the sheep for their benefit. But of course, the sheep wouldn't know that, and as we studied, didn't we, that the sheep always had a tendency to kind of wander off at the first opportunity and have a look in the field next door or whatever it was. So, As Tim mentioned the lamb to the sheep, what the lamb hasn't learned is the voice. Because it's young in hearing the voice. But as the sheep, as the lamb matures, the sheep begin to learn the voice more and it begins to trust the voice more. And I think Now, after being the lamb, being sort of the prodigal kind of thing, I now realise now that through all of that, I was a sheep from the beginning. I just didn't understand it. Why I was so young and yet couldn't do anything else. Okay, I've got one other question for you, um, which is related to something that you and I both share in, because um, I, <laughs> we, I work down at uh, Electricity Board every now and then, as you, as you know, and um, it's quite a macho environment, isn't it, really? All the guys, uh, it tends to be quite a dirty environment, so everybody's in, in overalls, grease and all sorts, except Simon, because he's spotlessly clean, because he's doing whatever he's doing. <laughs> Not sure. No, I'm, only, I'm only pulling his leg. Um, I just wonder, um, you know, my environment in which I work in is, is, is kind of quite tough, isn't it, sometimes to speak to the guys and, and that, and yet um, I share the same experiences as you very often. They, they kind of know that I know the Lord, but they don't know quite how to, how to talk about it or whatever. I'm just interested to know how you found uh, is the sort of most common ground, you know, I think the most common ground for me there is to do the job even better. To do the work even better. To go the extra mile when you know that it's not really something that some people bother about. So, as Tim mentioned, the workplace, it reminds me that 
I've had to work a bit harder to get some credibility because they have so many misconceptions about God. So it's a real battle. But I, 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 I'm like you, Tim. I, I go to work, an onward Christian soldier kind of thing. You know, I sign in, put my, my, my PPE on, I go to my job, and I'm conscious that I have to go the extra mile. Okay, that's great. Um, I totally agree. I think all of us as Christians have to go the extra mile. Uh, this world is a challenge, isn't it? It's not easy. And it's very easy to get rubbed up the wrong way by something somebody says or get upset and do the wrong things. But the actual fact is when we do go the extra mile, uh, it shows that we are grounded, that we have Jesus in our life. So there's something really to be said for that. Tim mentioned the word grounded. It's your witness. That's what I sense every moment I go to work is my witness is more valuable than anything else. These guys, anybody in my work environment, are taking every single bit of notice of me because God is doing that. Yes, I think that's right. I think they, they almost sort of look for an opportunity to kind of uh, find something in us, if you like, just so that they can turn around and say, well, he claims to be a Christian, but we've just noticed this or noticed that. So it is a challenge. And uh, I know, you know, in the environment that we work, where guys being guys will always be up to something, <laughs> it's, it can be a challenge from time to time. Anyway, bless you for your testimony. Clive, would you just come up and pray for Simon, please? Oh Lord, we just thank you for Simon's testimony, Lord, and we really thank you that he, he's now for you, Lord. That he's he's gone through his ups and downs, Lord. But I know that in the future there'll still be his ups and downs, Lord. But he knows you, Lord, and we just thank you for that, Lord, that he can look to you, Lord. And he can be a shining example, Lord. That as he's filled with your spirit, as he said, he goes around and sees all the, these guys and they look at him and they'll see your spirit in him, Lord. They'll see the difference in him, Lord. That he'll be able to, to really speak to them and meet their needs, Lord. That as they come to him and say, oh, well, what about this? What about that? Then Simon will have the answer, Lord. And it won't be Simon's answer, but it'll be God's answer, Lord. We just thank you for that. Thank you for listening to the free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delancey